Hey fam, this is Call Cheryl Hun. You're in a call, and I'm your host, Cheryl Spears. The views and opinions expressed here on the Call Cheryl Hun podcast are those of myself and podcast guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any company discussed. Any content provided by myself and podcast guests are of their opinion and are not intended to defame any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Each week on the podcast, we will hear your MLM stories and also discuss MLMs like Beachbody, along with the problematic Heinz, super trainers, and CEOs who recruit using pain points and other sleazy tactics. This is not just another anti-MLM podcast. My goal is to prevent anyone from making the same mistake I made for the past eight years while I was in an MLM cult. If you want to share your story, email me at callcherylhine at gmail.com or send me a DM over on Instagram at callcherylhine. Now remember, when I'm not pulling back the BS on Beachbody, you'll find me here on my podcast or hanging out in my Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast or you might miss something juicy. Now sit back and relax, grab your favorite drink or snack and enjoy the show. Hey fam, Cheryl here. I'm just jumping on to give you a quick content warning. This episode contains content that may be alarming and trigger some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed description and take care of yourself. Hey fam, this is the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast and I am your host, Cheryl Spears. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with my one of my favorite people. She is an honorary SNARK member. She just doesn't want to say it. Um, Emma Olson. And we are going to talk all things Beachbody, but also, more importantly, what it looks like to heal after you leave any MLM, what it looks like afterwards. So Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited and nervous. Yeah. <laughs> You shouldn't be nervous. You, you're, this is, you know what you're doing. You, you have a podcast. Tell everybody about your podcast. I do. I, I have two podcasts. One is with my friend Lindsay and it's um, called In Real Motherhood where we go over motherhood topics, kind of like a coffee chat style, which mm-hmm. is fun. And then I just started my own podcast, which is uh, Mama Needs Coffee. And it's yes, been, like does. a passion project. Yes, I know. Right. <laughs> we all do. Yes. Um, one thing that I will say about you is, and probably the listeners out here, some listeners might not be able to relate to you at this stage of motherhood because you are in the little, little stage, like you have youngins, right? But I will say that um, the podcast, both of them, you can actually relate if you're a mom in general, right? Um, also, you can relate because I feel so bad for you all. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Um, I'll, I'll watch your stories about how you're just like, huh, I'm just winging it today, you know? And I'm like, you poor thing. I had, my kids were seven years apart. So I went through the stage and then forgot what the stage was like, and then came back through the stage. And it was, I actually envy you because you're about to be, you'll have, you know, they're young together. So 
two and done. <laughs> so yes. I have a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old. They're almost exactly two years apart. And wow. I, we're done having kids. So it's just like, I'm in the thick of it. And yes. I know for me, and this I think plays a part in what you talk about on your podcast and what you show is I used to follow a lot of uh, YouTubers, like mommy, stay-at-home mom, YouTuber, YouTubers before I decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And yeah. I had this expectation that it was easy. Like their kids always looked great on camera. They never had any tantrums in public. Like it looked really fun yeah. and easy. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. <laughs> but that's you know that's that's when you that's when we talk about like the the um the curated nar- narrative that people share on the internet, right? And so it's crazy because yeah, people people will probably say, well, I mean, come on now, Emma, you you saw those people, you had to know that their life was different behind the camera. <laughs> but it's like, what do, what do you say to people that think that? Yeah, so I grew up, I had a lot of childhood trauma. I had two parents who were addicts. Um, my mom was in prison for most of my life. And so for on it, I, I honestly thought that there, like I had a really traumatic childhood and that was not the normal, which like it shouldn't be. And so yeah. I really thought that like, I didn't have a perspective of like a normal childhood. So I yeah. really thought that it would have been easier. Like I thought that my childhood and my mom and all that was so tough because she was addicted to drugs. Not that yeah. motherhood is hard. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense though, because if you don't have that experience growing up, right? Like if you don't have that role model in quotation marks, right? That shows you that parenting is hard, right? Um, then when you see people that have this curated lifestyle, you're like, oh, that's what it's really supposed to be like, you know, mm-hmm. like it was because my mom was on drugs. That's why my life is crazy. Right. right? Yeah. So, uh, and I love that. I do. And I think that, you know, what you share on your platform, which is I, I, my heart feels for you all the time. Right. Because I'm just like, I just want to go to Emma's house. And just give her a break for the day and just it's a shower, it's a shower it's a or whatever. Shower. Yeah. You know, and because people, and I like that you share that realness and yeah, you probably get a lot of backlash for it most of the time. Right. But you're also, I want you to always remember this. When you get that backlash on your, your platform, think about the lies that you saw those YouTubers right? And it was a complete surprise to you. So at least people that are thinking about having children can be like, or that do have littles can be like, okay, it's not just me. Because sometimes in motherhood, especially in those years, you think that you're the only person that, I mean, I always get pushed back on this and people say, um, I'll say, I love my kids, but I don't always like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> And mine, mine are 18 and 11 and I still feel that way right yeah. like someone I'll... someone posted um like who's your you don't have a favorite child it just depends like ask me you can ask me every day what my favorite child is and it will change because it depends Absolutely. on their mood how how the day went and it's not <laughs> that I have a favorite child is that like sometimes one of them is easier than the other and that makes them your favorite for the day and right there's nothing and it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I want to tell you this, um, and I'm sure you probably have heard this. It does get easier, right? It really does. And okay. and people are probably yes. giving me backlash on this. There are different stages in life, right? But at one point, it does get easier to the fact of the matter where it's 
the mental drain tough like the mental draining replaces with a little bit more worrying right like are they being a good human are they making good decisions having that open communication with them and it's replaced but the chaos like you can actually shower by yourself right and you can say hey go watch this tv show and mommy's gonna go take a shower do her hair do a little self-care you need me knock on the door everything will be fine right eventually you do get that i promise okay thank you thank Um, you for the hope (laughs) giving a little hope And that's my hope forever. That's my, that's me just sprinkling a little sunshine to every mom with littles right now. You know, mine are 18 and 11, 18 year old. My, my fear has replaced with, uh, I don't want him to get sucked into an MLM because he is 18 now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want him to make good decisions to set him up for his adulthood. Right. But I also have to let him make his mistakes. But I'm going to be on your yeah. podcast one day. We'll talk more about this motherhood part. Uh, yes, I would love I, that. <laughs> and I'm, you just got to schedule it and let me know and I'll be there. Okay. okay? We'll do it. Um, I was going to say, it's good. there's a, <laughs> you can tell that you have had a different mindset since when you were in the MLM, because yeah. I think Cheryl a couple of years ago would have thought like, oh, my son is 18 and I can enroll him instead of my dogs. <laughs> Absolutely. That was, I and said that's, that's not other- on your mind. <laughs> No, I said that the other day. I was like, thank God that I'm out of the MLM because he would have been, I would have had two control accounts, my husband and my son. And there we go. I'm an emerald. And I would have stayed an emerald instead of losing it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. Yes. So now that we're, you know, you, you just let it there. So you were part of an MLM. Um, Do you want to share with everybody the MLM that you were a part of? Yeah, so I was with Beachbody. I was a Beachbody coach for three years. And I actually, in 2018, I became a customer. So this is something part of my story I don't usually tell just because it, okay. I don't know, don't usually tell it. But I was a customer with a completely different like coach network, coach family, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was actually so like how I was introduced to Beachbody was a family friend of mine. Um, she's old. She's actually my my godmother. So she's my mom's age. Okay. And she was a coach. And so I started as a customer and used the programs before my wedding. And then, and that's how I actually connected with, like I saw my coach, um, yeah. Emily Fogger. I had like known of her. And then my upline, or I was just a customer, basically. Yeah. Um, a discount coach, but she had canceled her account and all of that. And I stopped using Beachbody for a couple of years. And then I had my daughter. And yeah. so I had been following Emily for a while. I had known of Emily uh, before, like before she was big in Beachbody. I had known yeah. of her because she had, it's actually funny, the how I had found her was autumn calibries did a competition for your like favorite holiday recipe like cocktail recipe it was like tag this it was right when hashtags were becoming popular so i was searching on the hashtags and emily had a apple martini recipe that she was sharing and she was like autumn pick me because somebody would win right like before she became everything and so I i i started to follow her and so I was along the ride with Emily Father um, during her miscarriages oh. when she had, I think she had maybe 
300 followers at the time when I started to follow her. Wow. Um, she wasn't even diamond yet. And wow. I had followed and followed and followed. And so um, I had thought for years, like probably two years about becoming a coach. And I knew that I would have wanted Emily to be my coach because we were similar in age. And then we both got pregnant at the exact same time. And wow. so I watched her whole pregnancy. Our daughters are a week, like two weeks apart. Wow. Um, age. Yep. Wow. So I was introduced that way. And then I enrolled with Emily as a, uh, a customer at four weeks postpartum. I started doing the nutrition programs. And then at six weeks postpartum, I became a coach. Okay. Okay. Did she reach out to you or was it just something that you decided to do because of you, because you were postpartum? Yeah. So I did a sneak peek into coaching on her Instagram page. She had done, it was called, you can sit with us is what was, was her, uh, her, her sneak peek Instagram was called, you can sit mm -hmm. with us. Um, I remember I was, I was five weeks postpartum and I had just put Carly down for a nap or to sleep at night. And it was Emily and Dylan who were doing this sneak peek, this live video. Yeah. And I came downstairs, put Carly down to sleep, came downstairs with my husband. And I'm like, can you please watch this? Because I had asked him for years to sign up as a coach. And he yeah. kept saying, no, 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 no. Like, it's it's a pyramid scheme. Don't do it. Like, you don't make money. Like, he he knew. <laughs> he knew. Yeah, our, our, look, shout out to all the husbands who know. <laughs> yes. like, or the spouses, partners, whatever. They yeah. do. They know. He's like, you're going to lose money. No. But I had made him listen to this live. And... I signed up right after that. Um, okay. So I was six weeks postpartum and I did like the day that I did my first, cause Emily and I both had C-sections. And yeah. so she was four weeks postpartum. I was six weeks postpartum. So I was yeah. two weeks ahead of her in the postpartum journey, both C-section moms. And I reached out to her and was like, okay, let's do it. And immediately we were drawn to each other because we were in the same season of like literally of life. Of yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah. And being a C-section mama, I'm also one. Um, and it's a struggle. Did you mm -hmm. have C-sections with both of your children? Planned, scheduled C-sections with both. both. Yep. Yeah. My first one was not a C-section, um, but my second one was. And just being a c like, I don't think that people realize how intrusive a C-section is, right? Mm -hmm. Um and how much pain it is. And then you're also required to take care of a baby, um, take care of yourself and uh, get back into the way that you looked or into the pre-pregnancy genes, you know, as fast as possible. Yeah. And it's yeah, such it's a, a bad reality. It's a major surgery. And one thing that I noticed, so I came from a corporate background, more of a corporate background. I was an esthetician um, mm -hmm. and I, I worked for a skincare company where I did education and business business sales for yeah. a medical grade skincare company. And so I traveled, I had a, um, I tra had traveled Monday through Thursday, basically like out yeah. of state and where I was sleeping in hotels and, and doing trainings with like a big group of people, um, doing conferences. Like I was very, um, people uh, very busy with, yeah, yeah, being around other humans. And then I became a stay at home mom and it was 
within the first two weeks, I was like, this is lonely and isolating. Yeah. I don't have any family in the state that I live in. I live in Minnesota, but I didn't grow up here. My husband's family's here. So you can see how easily I was manipulated in that yeah. moment because yeah. like, and I, I was drawn to Emily in the fact that she was a military spouse. And so she didn't have a lot of family around her as well. And she was navigating, you know, postpartum in that way. So I was lonely. I was stay at home mom that was used to being around about a lot of other people being goal oriented and not having that anymore. So I can yeah. see looking back, I'm like, Ooh, that was the, the moments where I wanted to sign up as a coach before that I wasn't vulnerable enough to have my mm-hmm. guard let down for that to have been a reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why one of the things, um, and I'll let you continue your story, but one of the things that when we did the FTC um, compliance and all the the comments that we sent in in May, that was one of the things that a lot of people said is there should be a waiting period before you can sign up, right? Because a lot of us will just do it on the whim because of how we're feeling at that moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and- if you think of, I had been in multiple sneak peeks of Emily's before and I had thought about it and thought about it. And it wasn't until she started to say things like, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, because she wasn't a mom before this. So it was like the things that she was talking about with the military, the the vulnerabilities that she was playing on of military spouses didn't really fall to me. And so I couldn't relate 100% to start a business. And so it wasn't until she started talking about like being exhausted, needing a community, like the things that were more, uh, was in the vulnerable state that I I was in, it really spoke to that. I was like, oh, wait, like that's me. I have to sign up. And I ran downstairs to tell my husband to watch a video so that I could enroll. And that's where I I really now looking back, I'm like, oh, I was manipulated. Like, yeah, that. I was in a vulnerable spot and I was, I was still on pain medication. It's like, do should I have been yeah. starting a business? No, I shouldn't have. <laughs> no. I mean, even you shouldn't have been starting a business because you were six weeks postpartum. You can't even go back to your real job until your 12 weeks postpartum. Oh yeah. With a C-section. So yeah. at six weeks, you're making life-changing decisions for your family that you should not be making at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So while you were in, um, I know that you, I've, I've talked to you a couple of times, but I'm not sure a lot of people understand this part about you. Um, you did realize that you realize now that you were being manipulated, but you started seeing things that you started questioning while you were in um, as a Beachbody coach. And what, what were some of those things that you started questioning and asking questions about? Yeah. So I started to see some red flags. I, I immediately be, I became Emerald in 24 hours. So it was like, you know, I, I was Emily's, you know, she knew that I would do it. Like if there was a goal, she knew I would do, I would figure it out. I would, I would rank advance. I would hold, like, I was the person who she could trust that I would make it happen because that was just my personality. And I was also the person that like, if Emily's Wi-Fi went out in her house and she was supposed to host a team call in 15 minutes, who do you text Emma? And who will then fill in the spot? Emma. Like Emma will be there no matter what. I was that person. And I I started to be put into these positions where I had maybe more say in the team page. Like I did a a push to diamond group that like other people weren't invited to host, but she invited me to host it. And so um, 
I, I, I thought at the time that it was because yeah. she liked me, like as a, a, a person, like person. she thought the thought what I had was like, we would be friends in real life. Right. Yeah. Um, but then when I had maybe dropped rank, if I, my diamond rank was then gone, it was like any opportunity that I had was taken. Oh. And I started to realize I was love bombed. Like the the gifts and the praise and the encouragement was, was not because she genuinely knew me or liked me. It was because I was a placeholder in her team. Uh, I was in a pivotal part of her downline. I found that out later on. And so my rank and maintaining diamond was very important for her um, on her main account. And so finding that out, it just makes you question everything. You're like, wait a second. She didn't, she yeah. didn't even like me. She just wanted me to hold diamond. <laughs> so she could make her money. Yeah. yeah. Right. Color signs to her. And that's, that's one of the things that is, is it's been the hardest for me to realize is, or to think about because I was that person. Like I was, I, I was no big time, big time Beachbody coach, but a lot of my friendships and conversations were transactional so Mm -hmm. if you were not making me money or interested I probably wouldn't talk to you yeah and that's hard it's a lot of like conditional friendships transactional friendships and that can be really triggering for someone for anyone but especially like I have I've had have a a traumatic childhood and secure attachment issues and so um knowing that that like the the being so easily just dropped from someone's life because and because this is the kicker with with a pyramid scheme or mlm it's like it's because other people weren't performing it's like i was doing all the things i was up at 3 40 in the morning doing a workout i was literally i was sending 100 100 invites a day like i was the person doing all the things but because i didn't have other people to do the things I wasn't seeing success and I was being treated in a way that was un- un- unkind and unfair. And that's where it's like, that's with the team building component until MLMs no longer have a team building component, there will always be the love bombing manipulation yeah. tactics that are not kind when you, when you peel back the layers, it, it will, yeah it's just hard to stand behind a company that, you know, people are being treated that way. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you hundred percent. Um, so once you started realizing those types of red flags, what did you start doing? Like you, you did start questioning things. Yeah. And so then I'm, what I'm happened? Vocal, if you can't tell that's uh, kind of it's maybe a love language. I don't know, but like, yeah. I, I'm very blunt and honest and I will say how I feel and yep. I'm an external processor too. And so I yeah. would really start to, the first thing thing that I would do would talk on my Instagram stories about things. And the first situation that happened was um, Emily was picking people for her team cup team. Yeah. And um, I remember that one of my friends had fr- fr- quote unquote friends. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we don't talk anymore, but at the time I thought she was my friend. Um, yeah. She was chosen to be on Emily's team. And she, so my friend texts me and she's like, oh my gosh, Emily invited me to be on her team cup team. And I was like, what? Like, why was this person who hasn't done anything significant with her business yet? Why was she chosen? But Emily went like, didn't 
think to choose me and so I reached out so I first said on my stories I, I was crying I was like she she didn't pick me nobody picked me to be on a team cup team um and Emily replied to my stories and she was like you could have said this to me in person you're making me look bad and so she had a phone call with me and we went over it and she was like I didn't choose you because you're already an emerald rank and I need someone who is below emerald so that they advance and that I get more points for the team cup team and I was like okay so I started to understand that there's strategy like behind the things that they do and um so she was like if you if it weren't if it wasn't up to what your rank was I would have chosen you but you're already emerald so I needed someone who wasn't emerald because you get more points when somebody rank advances in team cup yes yeah yeah Yeah. so it was like okay so I would start seeing that stuff I would verbally process externally process on my stories and then I I think I started to become more of a liability to Emily because she started to recognize that if I saw something I would say something right yeah (laughs) so then I started then the next thing that came up was um people would call energize mom crack uh and I it bothered me because that's a terrible way to market a energy supplement first of all it but is. also you're tying drug usage to motherhood and as someone who was a child of someone that was within substance abuse um it was really hard for me and I kept seeing it and I kept reaching out one-on-one to coaches who would say I'd be like hey just so you know like there's a better way to market this and then finally I I posted a post and they had Mm -hmm. a group called the coach family which was ran by Ashley and Emily um coach family group and I I I said my story my piece on um how it was not good and there was one coach in particular um who just said like I don't care what you have to say I'm still going to call it that like it works for my business yeah uh and everyone else was like thank goodness that you're saying this because it's been triggering for me for the last six months that I've heard it. And it was overwhelming the amount of people who were like, thank gosh, you said something. And I'm like, why has nobody else said anything? Why do I have to be the one, you know? Not to stop your, but I just want, in case anybody goes back on my old Instagram or goes back on my Facebook. (laughs) It was you. Carol, I did. I I did. (laughs) I did call it mom crack. I probably did it more than I should have probably every day. And I do apologize for that. It makes me icky now. But just like I always say, Maya Angelou is perfect to say this. When you know better, you do better. Period. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just want, just in case somebody says, Cheryl, I just went on your Facebook and you didn't even speak up about it. I'm speaking. So that takes a bigger person like that. The accountability piece, these coaches say that they're accountability coaches, but they can't do something as simple as publicly saying, yeah, I did that too. And I, when I realized that it was triggering, I made a change. Like, why is that so hard? That is all we are asking. (laughs) It makes no sense to me. I, I don't know. And I mean, it is humbling, you know, not to try to, you know, give the coaches or, or whatever, you know, uh, an out, it is humbling and it is hard to admit that you did something scammy, sleazy, wrong or whatever. Right. But the freedom that you get, like within, within inside, like the feeling mm-hmm. is much better than trying to, than you just need to humble yourself. Right? right. Everybody makes mistakes, but just like Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is humbling. And it's the, so I would see over and over again, coaches like doubling down on 
And so I was a coach during the George Floyd situation yeah. and I live in Minnesota. I live like 15 minutes from where, you know, he was murdered. Um, and I, I was one of the people that Emily texted to share screenshots of her inbox from people saying, Emily, you need to use your platform to speak up. Like you are privileged and you have a platform and why aren't you speaking up? And she sent me screenshots of the DM she was getting because I reached out to her and I was like, why is nobody talking about this? There's a movement happening. Like we have platforms. If you have one, like I've heard over and over again from Emily and these top coaches, like you have a platform, one follower is an influence. So yeah. when we had a social justice movement and we have an influence and they're choosing to stay silent, yeah. I I reached out to her and I said, well, how do we talk about this? How do we make it known? And she was like, I don't like when people call me privileged and uh, this is rubbing me the wrong way and I'm not going to talk about it. And so I just kept seeing how, I know you're like, let's unpack this. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So, I have. Yeah, I don't like it when people call me privileged. That right mm-hmm. there means you're privileged. When right. you have, when you can say that with a straight face and from your gut, and choose not to say anything because it doesn't affect you, that's your privilege. Right. And yeah, I have a screenshot of her text message where she says that she was privileged or she doesn't like how they called her privileged. And, um, and so, yeah, I agree. It's like, I felt like I was screaming from the background being like, why aren't we talking about this? Why? Like, this is important. You say that you're like, you know, it's like you have an influence. So why don't you use? And then I started to realize, well, they weren't saying anything because they weren't necessarily agreeing with the movement. Right. It's like they wanted to stay quiet because they didn't want the backlash of what their true thoughts were. Right. That. And also because it happened on my side of, because I was also a coach during this time and, um, on, on, under, under Lori Stewart, who was my coach, um, obviously she did say some stuff because I mean, her children are mixed and, she does have mm-hmm. like a fiance who's met, who is, you know, a black man. And, um, she, she did say some stuff, but she would constantly tell me how much, how, how much she really respected the fact that I spoke up so much about it because I, it caused me to lose a lot of followers. It caused mm-hmm. me to lose a lot of this, like, even like the people, I, I mean, I was it was all that it took. It took over my life because I had to speak on it because my family, I'm, my family is all different races, you know, like, especially just during the whole entire social justice movement. And I mean, it's been going on for longer than that, but that's when we all had time to really be focused on something because we were locked in the house. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the time that a lot of the people that we raised, um, I write, you know, in my generation, we raised these young kids to what the hell, like Gen Z, they don't play. They're like, what is wrong with you all? Why have you been quiet for so long? So mm-hmm. yeah, it, I can see it. And I can see why Emily didn't speak on it because you're right. Either they don't agree with it or they're scared to lose followers. Right. And, and I, and I will say that she, Emily did commend me over and over again. Like, I'm so proud of you for speaking up on it and it's you're so brave and blah 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 and it's like I can't speak to how why she didn't speak up 
other than yeah. like her saying, you know, it was rubbing her the wrong way. Like I, I don't have more of context than that. Yeah. Um, but what I, I did see and feel was the team just kind of moving on. I know there's one coach, the same coach, um, and I'll say her name because she's still in an MLM. Um, mm-hmm. but Lindsay Wiley, who I've had like issues with, um, like she really has struggled with when we are in group check texts and stuff like mm-hmm. not sending an invite on blackout Tuesday and she was what? still showing up on her social media on blackout Tuesday and got so much black bat backlash wow backlash <laughs> yeah from that um and in our group chat she would be like people are are coming after me because I'm still inviting today and everyone else in the chat being like wow how could they your business still moves on like this is not yeah so other people like feeding that thought and I'm and I'm the only one that that started to say um because today should be the day that you're educating yourself on black history on the injustices going on like uh, like you are choosing to use your time to continue to push your 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 own agenda and that's the problem here like that is what we're (laughs) saying you are so privileged that you can just carry on yeah and and I was screaming from the sidelines during all this yeah yeah, and let's just address the fact when people believe, like you know, I'm privileged, right? Because I'm a, I'm oh a white yeah, woman, I'm privileged, you know. Uh-huh. And so, and and when we say we're privileged, it means that we don't have to worry about the fact of the matter that um, our days and our lives will continue on. We everything that we do, it we don't have to worry about. One of the things that I always tell, and this is a story that I always tell people, and it makes them understand it. Um, I've been married to my husband who is a black man for since 2011. Right. And, um, we, when we no 2010, see, I don't even know 20, 2010. So we've been <laughs> married for 12 years and, um, over these 12 years, you know, I've, we've always got like, anytime we're leaving or going somewhere, he, he always loses something. Right. And it's usually always his, his wallet. And, um, up until 2020, so from 2010, so for 10 years, I would always be like, would you just get in the car? Like, cause he always drives. I don't know why he just always does. So I'm like, would you just get in the car? Let's just go. Like, it's not a big deal. Do not worry. Like who cares? They pull you over. They've got you on file. Like no big deal. Right. And in 2020 after George Floyd, well, it wasn't just 2020, but it started like it, I started educating myself. I actually started having conversations with my husband. And I actually started listening to him, right? I then understood that the reason he's freaking out because he cannot find his wallet is because that could be the difference between him, life and death. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to unpack. Like, I don't have to worry about that. I can just leave the house, leave all of my stuff at the house, get pulled over by a cop and a cop would be like, oh, license registration. I'm sorry, I left it at home officer. Don't you have that on file? And he would be like, oh, it's okay, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I get a ticket for maybe not having my ID or me, right? right? So I always tell people that because when you know better, you do better. That's That's been my whole entire platform for, for years because even though I was married to a black man and I have a mixed child and my, my oldest is half Puerto Rican, I have been pl- privileged enough to not have to worry about anything else. 
happening to me because they're with me. That was always mm -hmm. my thought process. Because I'm with them, they're safe. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's when you start to educate yourself and listen to the stories of people yeah. who are explaining like how I am privileged, right? Yeah. Um, You start to, and you know, you just start to understand that like, being privileged is something that like I was born privileged because of my skin color yeah. um and it's it's hard for for me to have been you know within a team who didn't understand or didn't care to start to learn about and I can say that because we didn't I asked my upline I said can we do some type of training where we learn yeah. can you bring someone in like you have you make how you make a million dollars a year and you can't pay to have somebody come in and educate us on how on the social justice that are happening or how we can use our voice like why if I if it was me and I made a million dollars a year and there yeah. was and the George Floyd situation was happening I would have literally paid someone who is a professional in yeah. the space in educating on the social injustices that were happening and I yeah. would have had them do our team call and have yeah. them explain to us the history of why this is so important and how we could use our page to spread awareness and to educate others but it was literally don't say anything and we're just going to stay quiet yeah and it was like in those moments I'm like this speaks to hum your humanity and what you the legacy that you're leading it's like forget time freedom and re retiring our spouse and all that like I want to tell my daughter that during the George Floyd murder and the Black Lives Matter movement in Minnesota we protested we yeah. donated we did things Blackout Tuesday I spent the entire day educating myself I didn't yeah. spend the entire day sending 100 invites that is right. how I decided to show up. Yeah. Look at and you, I'm proud Emma. of that. You should be. You should be very <laughs> proud of that. So you but, so that, but I was privileged enough to be able to do that, right? Do it's that. like yeah. I was using my privilege and that's what people were trying to say. It's like being able to donate, being able to stand there, being white and yeah. not feel like you are going to be harassed for your skin color. That is all a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even people, because we, we, unfortunately, we did not protest down here only because there was only one reason was because of the fact that my husband at the time was the only one that was like, I, I could work from home. So it wasn't no big deal, but he was working outside the house. And so if he would have gotten COVID or been around any large crowds, they wouldn't allow him to come into work and we couldn't afford that. Right. So we, right. we protested on the sidelines. Right. And we, right. Our education, but you know, for people that didn't protest, like, I don't want you to think that you didn't do your due diligence as long as you did. Like, you know, I protested, I mean, every single freaking day on my social media. Right. And, right. Um, and, and that's, that's privilege. Right. And because we can choose how we protest, we can choose what we talk about. And I want to bring up something because I've, I've heard this before from a lot of my white friends, right? Um, I, I am not privileged. You don't know what kind of past I was, I had. What, what would you say to people? Because I know your, your past of growing up. Yeah. And I, I think that the difference is 
with that situation, it's like, yes, when you start to like, when I start to divulge to people that I had childhood trauma or um, that I, you know, have a a history, right. Of whatever. Um, That's information that I've chosen to give to others. It's different when someone else is judging you immediately from viewing your face. Right. Right. It's like, it's, it's different. Like yeah. it's such a different component. It's like you walk yeah. in the door and you're already, there are preconceived judgments about your heart, yeah. about your, your, how you spend your time, like about all of it yeah. just because of how you look. Yeah. 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 I agree so with you. It just yeah. feels different. It's like, I, I used to never tell people um, that, you know, I, I had childhood trauma or that I don't talk about, I don't, because I would start to become more judged for that. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, I, when someone knew that my mom was in prison, be like, well, I don't want Emma around our belongings because she might do what yeah. her mom is doing. Like those yeah. thoughts, because, like I started to get judged because of, you know, something that was really out of my control, but it wasn't because I walk in the door and I'm a certain skin color that they don't want me belong- around their belongings. Right. 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 It's very different. Like I'm not going to hire a black housekeeper because she could be a criminal. Like those are all preconceived, you know, judgments that are so false. And and it's solely like the the craziest thing is for me, when I look at my, my youngest son, my youngest son is probably one of the sweetest people on this planet earth. Like no joke. Right. He is, he's so kind-hearted like he loves every animal he will tell you how he feels like if you like he does he doesn't have a filter right when it comes to you ask him a question he's going to be very honest with you right but he is the sweetest kid ever and it hurts my heart to know that when he walks into a store that people are automatically going to judge him because of the color of his skin right? Mm-hmm. My husband too. I mean, my husband is probably one of the nicest people he's been, that I, that I know. And I'm not saying that because he's my husband, but it hurt my heart to know that when the two of them walk into a store, they have a, my youngest, he's told me they have a completely different experience than when me and my youngest walk into a store. Right. And mm-hmm. it's the only re- reason that his experience is different with me is because I'm a white woman. He can't mm-hmm. like, for me, I never realized that he would when we were at the store, I don't pay attention. I do now, but I never did before pay attention to the fact that if, you know, kids walk around with their hands in their pocket, right? Or I used to tell him, so he didn't touch everything, put your hands in your pocket so you don't touch everything because every kid does that, right? Mm -hmm. But then he would go to the store with his dad and his dad would be like, no, keep your hands out of your pocket. Stop it. They're going to think that you're, so this poor kid's being told two different things by each parent Mm -hmm. because it's a different experience with each parent. So yeah. 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 So it was, All right. it was a lot and it's, 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 it was a lot. Um, And that's when I just started to find my voice within talking about things. Like I started yeah. to really see how people were, were reacting and weren't reacting. And then it would make me um, become more vocal. Like I felt like during that movement, I started to really step into, I have a power, I have power behind my voice and I want to use it in different ways. And then I started to see, um, more of the tactics that were used to recruit. And it was just like, I, I, there was a fog that seemed to have been lifted. And I was like, wait a second, (laughs) what is happening here? 
Yeah, yeah. So you started speaking out. You started feeling, being vocal. So did were you still um, Emily's go-to person? Um, was yeah. that yeah? Yeah, it stayed. And and I've um, I've shared that. Yeah, I I, I was still Emily's person. <laughs> Yeah. Um I met with her in person. She her and Dylan came out to Minnesota and and her daughter came out to Minnesota and she texted me and invited me to go to the mall with them. So it was just um Emily and Dylan and her daughter and my daughter and I was newly pregnant at the time and we like walked around the mall. We had Chick-fil-A for lunch. Like it was just us hanging out. Yeah. And I saw the most different representation of it was my first time actually ever spending time around her because of the pandemic like all the retreats and things that I had earned were all canceled um so this was 2021 no 2020 October 2020 okay I don't know maybe 2021 can't remember (laughs) I was pregnant so 2021 okay so 2021 it was 2020 October 2020 okay um and I saw like their daughter having tantrums in public and them saying like please don't record anything because we don't want her image to be tainted and she's like a year like a year and a half yeah she's a year and a half year old and you're worried about their image being tainted because they're being a year and a half year old and that to me was like just really that's icky yeah that's icky it's very unfortunate because it goes back to you saying when you first, before you were a mom, seeing all the YouTube bloggers being mm-hmm. perfect and not showing the real life. I mean, I'm not saying to exploit your child in their t- temper tantrum, right? right? No. But I'm saying that just to have to tell somebody, please do not record this because I don't want her image to be tainted. That's kind of scary. It is. And it, and it made me in that moment think like how I don't really want my daughter I don't want to create content around my daughter personally that would like I don't want to be known for my daughter's existence on social media like I feel like for me that would be exploitation yeah of my daughter like that's how I I mean if you personally well it's yeah I mean it, it it you're not nobody is knowing you let your daughter when she gets older decide if she wants to be an influencer decide if she wants to be on on social media you know like right you well, don't... and here's the thing with like child actors right there are yeah. child actors but there are laws rules and regulations around how much a child can work like that is why Mary Kate and Ashley were both hired to do full house because yeah. there, there are laws around how much a child can work and so when you start to see people who maybe are on TikTok and they're yeah. maybe flown out to Boston to do a uh, I don't know a food type video and you watch you hear the mother say oh she worked all day it was eight hours of filming and then you know she was so tired exhausted from that that she fell asleep it's like yeah that is working your child is working if you're creating content for eight hours that is working and there are laws and rules and regulations that should be in place but there aren't because it's on tiktok or it's on Facebook, yeah. or it's on Instagram. That's something, that's something that people really do need to start addressing because it is getting worse. Like it's getting, there's more people exploiting their kids for, you know, fame. For, I mean, and for them. money, that's the thing. And it's money. like also yeah. with childhood stars, 
their money goes to a certain account and they can't touch it for a certain amount of time. Like there are laws, rules, regulations. And so it started to rub me the wrong way when I would see, you know, see my upline go from no followers on TikTok to 3 million followers on TikTok. And um, this cult following that started um, for her child. And it's like, it just started to make me feel like this is not the vibe I want to be around anymore. Right. Right. So, um, eventually, um, well, I want, I want a lot, I want people to understand like who and how Emma is now. Right. Yeah. So how did you come to the conclusion that you needed to, that beach body coaching was not for you anymore? Yeah. So I started to see and, and really recognize the diet culture messaging. Um, and I started to change how I used the tools with my own like clients or customers. Yeah. I would start to say like, okay, I'm going to enroll you, but you're going to do to be mindset, but don't weigh yourself every day. And if you want to yeah. have food after dinner, you can't. And I started to like change the Beachbody rules so much that it wasn't Beachbody anymore. I would have yeah. my clients be like, I, I wish you would just create your own tools because literally you're telling me to use to be using to be mindset but don't do this don't do this do this do this and I started to recognize like I'm not even I'm not a registered dietitian I shouldn't be telling people how to eat like I started to really see that like (laughs) I'm changing the tools so much and also I'm not educated enough to be telling people how to eat and ultimately even if you peel back the team building aspect or the upline you know community that I was a part of if you peel that back and Mm -hmm. and what is left is Carl Deichler and Autumn Calabrese and Beachbody, I still didn't stand behind the messaging that they had and how they talk about food, how they talk about movement, how they talk about bodies. When you start to really listen to what they're saying, I couldn't stand behind that anymore. I'm like, I don't want to look at food as a good or bad or on track, off track. Like, I just can't continue to build something that I can't stand behind. And, And in that moment, I said, my team wasn't, I mean, I had, I had, I had a significant, I was making an income. Um, A lot lot of people don't, I was earning an income when you deduct expenses and taxes, I was earning an income and I walked away because for me, I just kept seeing how human rights issues were being addressed by the company and the top people within the company. Uh, I was seeing how the money was being funneled down in an unfair way I was seeing the recruiting tactics and all of these things were like, I, I can't, I I, yeah. I can't sleep at night knowing that I am, I am selling a challenge pack, which seems so innocent, but what that is doing, what that is contributing to is this big beast. Yeah. 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 So I, I agree. So you left and after <laughs> you left, <laughs> were you, um, are you, well, I know the answer to this question, but everybody else might not know the answer to this question. Are you still friends with Emily? Um, I'm, I'm not friends. I don't know if you would ever say that I was like legit friends with Emily just because I, I feel like, and obviously I'm not a therapist. I I can't, um, I can't speak to that, but I, I feel like when anyone goes through childhood trauma and Emily did go through childhood trauma with having, you know, her, losing her parents, being adopted, like yeah. all of that is very traumatic. I, I, I want to give her some of some benefit of the doubt with like, I think that sh- there's a secure attachment, you know, issue yeah. with her, just like there was with me. And I think that it, it's hard for her to have people that are close to her in a way. Um, I, I, 
yeah, I feel like Emily is a is a kind person. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, Emily wants to do the right thing. But I think that she doesn't understand that the when you don't bring people in and you use them as more of a um of a conditional friendship to get you to this point and you know it, yeah. it doesn't feel good to someone and so yeah. are we still friends no because I canceled the part of my account that she needed you know yeah. it was like after that what was left she didn't necessarily know or want to get to know because yeah. I, I wasn't a value to her anymore yeah so um I mean pretty much everybody when you leave an MLM you pretty much lose a majority of everybody if if not all of everybody right Mm -hmm. um so one of the things that I really do um I have probably one of the most utmost respect with to you about is um you're so and I know this I know it's not what it perceives all the time right but you are so confident in your power of being able to heal like even if it when it comes down to just like the way you eat the way you talk to yourself the boundaries you set with people where how did emma what what where's that coming from (laughs) it's coming (laughs) from a lot of therapy first of all um i swapped paying for like you know shakeology every month to paying for uh therapy every month for the shakeology that you know um so a lot of therapy but i think it comes from being able to it's a hard place to be in like where you feel every every decision that I make I now I second guess the decision so I'll give an example of like you know um eating eating chocolate at night yeah like you know now there's this messaging of like do I want the chocolate is this am I a bad person for eating the chocolate is this diet culture am I binging like there are all these questions that I now or at least as soon as I I quit Beachbody it was like all of the residual diet culture messaging stayed in my brain. Yeah. And I, instead of beating myself up for having the thoughts, I started to listen to them. Yeah. And not necessarily believing them, but I just started to let them in enough to be like, I am looking at a piece of chocolate. What are the thoughts that I have about chocolate? Yeah. That it's bad and for why? you, that it has too much sugar. Why? Where did, where are these coming from? Yeah. And how can I start to enjoy chocolate and, and look at it, it for what it's worth, you, yeah. not what it's worth, but like, look at it as something other than, you know, it's something that you can have a treat. Like I'm yeah. not a dog. That's the thing, right? Because for me, I'm still working through this. Um, but for me, like, if you tell me I can't have something, I am going to think about that thing every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, we just went through it. We had, we had, boxes of chocolate of Kit Kats and Reese's because our we we have no because they're delicious that's why they're yeah right delicious see see I can't even say it because they're delicious they're delicious but also we are we were able to get it because somebody that works from Hershey right and the entire time that I was down and out on my surgery I was like I kept looking at the box that they were in and I was like, do I need one? Do I want one? Why do I want, like it went through my mind 
every single freaking time I wanted a piece of chocolate. And I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And so how, so you basically just think about how and why, how do you, how do you navigate to be able to um, go past that? So for me, what I have yeah. found is figuring out where the messaging comes from is the main important thing, but also recognizing that there is a period when you stop dieting, when you stop uh, following any type of plan or structure with your eating and with your movement, your body, it's likely for your body to grow. I mean, it depends on the person, but like I came to terms with the fact that like I'll probably gain weight and I will probably be less motivated to move my body on certain days. And I just started to like accept the fact that I didn't have to be a machine anymore. Like my body's not my business or my billboard and it's going to change um, and just kind of be more acceptant of where I was. Yeah. With a more gentle view of food and movement in my body. And it, it is confusing. It's like, well, what do I eat now? What do I, can I drink my calories? Like there are so many like messages that we were given or yeah. told that it does take a really, it's exhausting to yeah. say like, I'm going to drink the diet Coke because it tastes good today. And yeah. it doesn't mean I have to work out harder tomorrow. Like just you have to be really grounded in, in that. Yeah. So the number one thing you said is therapy. So, um, trading in your beach body or your supplements that you had to purchase every month with therapy. Do you have any specific, like, I'd, like therapists in mind? Like, is there something that they should focus on, um, to understand what we went through in beach body? Yeah. So a lot of, um, so I, for food, I would go with a, a dietitian and yeah. um, someone that focuses on intuitive eating is really important because there are so many. I mean, there are di- Alana Mil- Molstein is a dietitian, but she her her views yeah. are not you know are not in that intuitive eating spectrum. So, um, mm-hmm. someone who's a certified um, intuitive eating counselor is really important if you are. But here's the thing, and a disclaimer that yeah. I want to give to everyone is like if you are struggling with food you might not, you might have an eating disorder or disordered eating disordered thoughts around food that is undiagnosed right now. Like that's what a lot of people, um, within Beachbody, their disordered eating can be triggered into a full-blown eating disorder. And because you're within Beachbody, um, the disordered thoughts are so normalized that you might not even know that what you're going through right now is disordered or not. Um, And so the first thing I would do Mm -hmm. would be talk to a a therapist and really tell the therapist, honestly, what you think about when you think about food movement, your body X, Y, Z, and really listen to what their perspective is of it, because they might say to you um, that, you know, they're, they have a direction for you to go with your eating, because if you go and hire any registered dietitian that doesn't necessarily know where you're coming from within being an ant, you know, being outside of the beach body community, it could continue to spiral you more. They could tell you to count your calories. They could tell you to cut out certain things and that would still be messaging yeah. that could trigger you. Okay, Emma. So I, I probably am going to, um, I don't know. We we talked about it, but I really want to have this conversation with you because the reel that you posted yesterday 
um, about people's looks. And um, I, I really want you to touch on that uh, because I also have a piece that I would like to say, but I would like to, I, I want to understand and I want other people to understand how you are getting to the place that you are, where you are no longer focusing on the aesthetic to, to make you happy. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So for me, I feel like I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I want to be more acceptant of where I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that goes to where, like what my body looks like after having two kids and mm-hmm. how my stomach is different and how my skin has changed. And like, just being able to look at myself in the mirror and not, and I, I really don't do this currently, but I mean, we all do in a, in some ways, but um, where you look in the mirror and you start to immediately pick apart yourself. And yeah. I, it's, it's hard for me to see people on social media, for example, when they're talking on their stories and they immediately apologize for their appearance. Yeah. Like, don't mind my hair. It's a mess. I was doing this, or um, I just, I have dark circles today because of this. And that has always been hard for me to hear because my mom does that with herself when she takes picture and mm-hmm. she immediately starts to be like, oh, I look so old or blah, blah, blah. Like she just starts to yeah. hound herself for existing. Yeah. And I just feel like if people within the anti-MLM space or people who have left Beachbody uh, for the messaging and the marketing, if they don't agree with having these unrealistic body standards right uh, and and you're wanting to advocate on that then you cannot in the same breath then tear others down for what they look like like. yeah it makes your message just not as exciting it's it's true right I agree with you 100 percent um I had I remember um what and it's been hard for me as well um because I had an anonymous person say, you know, how can you be real when you always use a filter? And I'm like, you know, for me, I use a filter because um, it is, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with some of the things, right? Like I still look into the mirror and pick apart every single part of my body, right? Um, And I've actually done it more in the past week than I've done in the past six months because I just had surgery, right? And I'm not giving myself grace to be able to heal. Right. Um, and for me, I've always used filters because I have rosacea it's on my cheeks. I have blood busted blood vessel on my nose, um, and energized stains the heck out of my teeth. Um, and you know, for me, I use a filter because I don't want to put on makeup. Right. And that's crazy when you unpack that. Right. When you unpack it, right. You're like, yeah, What's wrong with the rosacea? What's wrong with broken capillary? Like everybody has, you know, certain things and, you know, not everybody's teeth is stark white. Like it's, when you start to like hear what you're saying of these unrealistic, like, so you're, you're supposed to have perfectly white teeth. You should have rosacea is a bad, you know, it's like when you break it down, you're like, no, (laughs) like I'm great exactly as I am. And it's, and so, and so I do agree with you a hundred percent because you know, I had the conversation with you yesterday and I was like, you know, there are a few people that are in this space or this create this content creation space that, um, they do take it a little too far. Right. Um, if I ever 
if, and I'm always open for feedback. I think you are one of the people that I talk to the most about like, I mean, you, you don't give no shits about like, if you don't agree with something. Right. And, but we're able to sit down and have a conversation about it. Right. And we're able to unpack it. It's not like I left a conversation with you a couple of days ago and was like, well, Emma, you know, I didn't know because I was like, this is, these are the type of people that I want to check me. I want them to be like, Cheryl, did you really mean to say that? You know, like, do you really mean this? And I, and I told you, you know, pertaining to a previous podcast, I told you, yeah, I I did, you know, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. I hated it. Like I, there's certain things that I don't want to cover, but there are things that I feel like need to be said. And as much as it makes me sick to my stomach, sometimes I have to say it. But the one thing that I do not agree with is focusing in on one person, right? That's, that's bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, no matter what way you put it, you focus in on one person, you hound that one person over and over and over again. I mean, Autumn is Autumn. We focus in on her because she does have such a huge following. But when you take these Beachbody coaches, it needs to be an all around approach. And then also to comp- to say anything about their look mm-hmm. out of, out of malice, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like when you're trying to say something about somebody's face or their pores or their hair or their, their stomach, or, I mean, anything to make fun of. And that is your, it's completely disgusting. And I don't right. stand for that whatsoever. And so I think, I think there's a difference too, because like people might say like, you still are talking about Emily and it's like, I'm sharing my experience because she was my upline. So I think it it depends on like, I I wouldn't talk about like Bonnie angle because I don't have that. We didn't have that storyline. Right. Um, That's not part of what, what I'm healing from. So it makes sense to like, I talk about Emily more than I talk about others. Um, but I would never like for, and I'll give an Emily example. She's talked about this publicly. Like she doesn't like her dark circles under her eyes. And I've seen people go hard on her dark circles in the comments section. And I'm like, I would never, no matter how upset I was with her, even though she uses her body as a billboard. And I think that's predatory, like end of that, I would never, ever, 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 ever speak to her looks because it cheapens my message. It comes from a, a place that is very unkind. And I just don't think it's necessary to call out someone's looks when you should be talking about maybe how they are promoting their their uh their supplement line or whatever right right it doesn't make sense no and let's also because I'm sure people are going to say well you talk about their before and after photos or you talk about their body and their before and after photos so let's just make this known when we talk about stuff like that this is it's not us picking their before and after photos apart we are picking apart the deceptive marketing that they are showing you because I for one and I will admit it here on the podcast have stuck my stomach out taken a photo for before and sucked it completely in and pulled my high-waisted pants all the way up for an after photo to sell a program. And that's how we were told. Yeah. I was told to use a NARS contour stick. This was what I was told to do to make your abs pop after and your muscles and abs pop after for in your after photos. And I spoke up and I was like, is that ethical? 
No, that is not ethical. Like oh. to be told to take your your measurements and your weight early in the morning before you eat, you know, or you know, whatever. It's like that's not how. What if you if you were really using your body as a selling tool, which they are. Yeah, you would say you show up as you are day one. You show up as you are exactly the same way day two. Right. You, you don't wear a different outfit that you know is going to fit you differently. You don't. I mean, I I've heard of coaches top coaches having buying an extra for example buying a medium in a um in one outfit and buying a small in the outfit to wear the same outfit but they're wearing the small in the before and the medium in the after so that they look like they have shrunk wow and and when you when you hear from these coaches tell like that's how you during a diamond dash it's like okay so you want people to rank advance so this is the advice that you're giving be deceptive that's not okay no it's not and so that's why we do talk about people's looks quotation mark right is because of that part of the deceptive marketing but what is not okay is to create a reel or a post or anything like that talking about somebody's pores talking about somebody's hair talking about somebody's their, their bodies because what's the what's the what is the difference between somebody saying like oh saying she looks fat right yeah. in this outfit and them using bodies to sell things yeah. and preying on that it's like you're doing the exact same thing yeah um except maybe they have more monetary value in talking badly about someone else's body than you do but either way it's like the karma that you're putting out into the world is like not something i want to be part of. well and it shouldn't be right because i mean and and for me and i'm pretty sure i can speak for all the snark crew right is you know i i want to come from sometimes i'm going to say some hard truths right sometimes i'm going to give you a little bit of tough love sometimes i'm going to say what's really on my mind right but um, I would never want to intentionally like post something or talk about something to where some it's about somebody's physical appearance, mm-hmm. like something that they honestly, they're like, it should not even be up for a conversation, right? I would never, like, I even have problems with saying that Autumn looks unhealthy right now because I'm like, what do I know? I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, right? right. But um, I, when people come to me and they say certain things, I'm just like, you know, you can see a change in her and her overall aesthetics since she's for the past year. Right. And it is kind of questionable, but those are the types of things that you can say coming out of a place. You need to always want to make sure you're speaking out of a place of care before you speak out of a place of of hate, Mm -hmm. because if you do speak out of a place of hate, then you're not hurting anyone, but yourself and your image. Right. And I, I do, pro- I'm proud of the snark crew for literally like when you're looking at um, deceptive marketing, you speak about the deceptive marketing. You don't speak yeah. about what the person's love handles look like. Like, I just feel like there is a way to not, there's a, there's a good and a bad way, I think. Um, and yeah. I, I got used to get a lot of hate. This is a big reason why I don't have a lot of coach friends is because they're like, oh, you're within the anti-MLM community and they're so mean and the reddit threads are so terrible and um i never got that vibe from the snark crew and that's why i like so i i will back 
up you guys so much because you don't speak to those things. But then when you do go into Reddit and you start to read what some people are saying about other people's appearance or it's not kind about people's kids. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, and I think, I think with Reddit, you know, there is, there are certain things that you should just take for a grain of salt, right? Like, you know, I, I read through some of the comments in Reddit and, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of like, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I can't even justify it. You know, it's not, it's not, for me, when I go to Reddit, it's not for me to go in there and be like, oh my God, did you see so-and-so's stomach yesterday, right? Like, it's for me to go and be like, all right, so what BS is the, are these coaches talking right now? What have I missed, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't see, we can't follow half of them. So that's why I go in there. And then I'll, because I don't want to spend time, you know, searching everyone's stories. I'll be like, oh, well, let me go look at here. Um, They can be a little bit harsher in the Reddit thread. And and that's, I think that's because there is an anonymous aspect behind it. And sometimes when you have an anonymous aspect, it gives people a little bit more freedom to be able to speak freer, I guess you can say, I don't know, probably going to have them come 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 after me for this. If you think about like, um, like if, if, if I was someone, this is my big, my big thing is if I was someone within an MLM Mm -hmm. and I'm wanting out or I'm I'm seeing red flags and then I go to the Reddit thread and what I see is I see a post from Cheryl and she's like, this is the BS that I'm calling out. And then right under that, it's like, oh, this person has really yellow teeth and they're terrible. And then the next one is about someone's dark circles. It's like the message gets lost. lost in the other things that are just just unkind and they're not helpful and so if you I believe that if the reddit thread wants to really help people leave and see the writing on the wall that the messaging has to change into like these are the facts this is you know my experience and leave the other bs behind because I have a lot of friends who are coaches who are still within Beachbody and they, they won't go to Reddit because that what they, they start to get defensive because of that. And I wish that they could filter that out, but you you can't, you know? Yeah, you're right. Because I remember, and I always say this to people, um, when I was a coach, if I would have come across like the Reddit thread or, you know. I don't know if that if if I would have come across our stuff like the snark crew stuff I don't know if I would have like said mean things or been upset about it I would have probably been like you know those girls just they they just didn't make it they quit too soon right mm-hmm. but if I came across the reddit thread I would have totally called it out I would have totally said that they were a bunch of you know bullies and trolls and stuff like that because you know when you're in the MLM and you are questioning stuff when you go and see hurtful things, it does lose its messaging. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. So um, that's, I've been trying to figure out a way to pivot to where like, I'm starting to provide more content on my page about like what to do when you do leave. Right. And, um, or just like things that you will find or things that you will unpack and, and one of the people, you are one of the people that I will forward people to because you're really good about the healing journey after an MLM aspect, right? And staying true to yourself. So I, I do appreciate that for you, but 
Emma. I really do. Well, I thank you for saying that. It's it's definitely not easy to share publicly like, oh, I'm having these thoughts about drinking my coffee creamer this morning. Like, yeah, you know, I think that's a lot of times there's some shame around uh, when you leave what the residual diet culture messaging. There's some shame around that. And yeah. I hope that I can just normalize the conversation of like, if you have similar thoughts, it's not it's not you that's the problem. And I and I and I want that message to come across because I know being within Beachbody, we were told if the, if you weren't getting results, it's you didn't want it bad enough. You weren't working yeah. hard enough. It always comes back to it was you and your fault. Yeah. yeah. And I I think that what what we can take from this is not necessarily it's not having a victim mentality right that's what right. people think it's like oh they're like all oh, these these victims they just want to play the victim card no it's that we have disordered thoughts around I mean me I'll say for me around yeah. food around movement around my body and I'm trying to figure out where they stem from and what is the truth behind that yeah and how I can find a routine in movement that I enjoy yeah that um, I'm not doing to change my body because that yeah. was always a motivator for me. Now yeah. it's I'm doing it to feel strong and to yeah. have more energy and I'm I'm changing my goals. And so you do have this moment after you leave you're like how do I eat? How do I sleep? How do, how do I do anything? You can't without trust yourself. Being told. Right. right. You feel yeah. like you can't trust yourself. And one thought that I that I have to consistently remind myself of is um it's not it's not me, it was them. Right. And so I have to consistently remind myself, like when you, I mean, and that's the normal thought that most people say, or a, a quote that most people say, it's not me, it's you. Right. But this time it really was them. Right. It was Beachbody. It's Beachbody that made me think these things. I fell into it. Now I need to learn how to trust myself again. And it's hard. It's really hard. It is. And your, your body your body has gone through a lot. Your mind has gone through a lot. I said this on my stories. I received hundreds of responses about when I was talking about my, the, the creamer for my coffee. I thought, what is more healthy for me to choose a lower fat creamer? Um, or, and then have, and so I choose the lower fat creamer. And then I have thoughts about the stress that comes from, well, you know, I just, the thoughts and stress that you have, yeah. from choosing the fat filled uh creamer is that more health like which one's more healthy the thoughts and stress that come along with the decision that you make or the the less fat right i'm not i'm not explaining this as well as i did well no it makes sense because <laughs> the less fat like you you think that if you choose the less fat that you're going to it's going to make you feel better right, right. because you're that's like it's you're a healthier called. choice it's a healthier but like choice. but it doesn't no. because the whole time you're thinking you really want that coffee creamer. Mm -hmm. And the but, stress that stress is a uh, stress kills. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's taxing for our bodies, for our minds. It's like you show up to your life differently when you're stressed about every eating decision that you make because yeah. that we ha had messaging like make every day a weight loss day. Yeah. So when you are know that you have to weigh in every morning, that is stressful. So it's like yeah. for me, I would rather have the full fat creamer without the thoughts that come with it. So how do I yeah. get rid of the thoughts that come with it? And it takes a lot of time and energy and unpacking and it's triggering like it what it's shown me is that's why therapy is so important to have a therapist that you have scheduled regularly because mm -hmm. when you have these thoughts that come up 
it can be from something from your childhood that was triggering could be how your ex-boyfriend talked to you about your body like all these things come up and you can have a professional that helps you work through that and unpack Um, it yeah yeah as it as it comes up well you know so we have talked about therapy we have talked about I mean we this has been an amazing episode um and Don't be scared. Don't be scared. This has been quite an amazing episode and I'm so thankful that you decided to come on. Um, is there anything that we have not talked about that you want to make sure to cover? Oh, geez. No, I don't think so. I, I feel like what I maybe like, okay, fine. Yes, I do. I'm going to say, yes. okay. Go um, for it. I have constantly these thoughts of from that I think people think of like, why hasn't she moved on? Why can't she just get over it? Why is she still talking about it? Yeah. And there are some moments where I say to myself, like I'm about to share something and I'm like, I don't need like that. I don't need to, you know, like I'm good. Um, You can get really lost in watching all the coaches stories and you can get really lost in that. And so what I've done is I've set a boundary of like, I follow along with what like Carl and Autumn post because I feel like that's yeah. more to the company in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't spend my time watching coaches stuff anymore. Yeah. And so, and for me, part of the healing process that I've gone through with my therapist is figuring out which areas I stay up at night thinking about that I have guilt and shame with and how can I heal from those specific areas? Um, and so I am excited for the day where I don't feel like I still have a mission to yeah. share my experience where I feel like I don't, I, I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not there yet, you know? Yeah. Um, and so by going on your podcast, sharing some experiences that like still have stuck with me, the messages you know, about during the Black Lives Matter movement, during all mm-hmm. that, um, those things I still still keep me up at night, wondering yeah. if I could have done more or if I should have done more, if I said the wrong things. And so one day I won't talk about this anymore right. and I will be right. able to be done with it, but I'm just not there yet. But, you know, to be honest with you though, Emma, like it's a part of your story. It's a part of your journey, right? And um, you've been through trauma. I've been through trauma in my life as well. And, you know, I think it's pretty much the same. Like I'm comfortable enough to, to say that this whole entire thing of trying to expose Beachbody and their coaches and what they try to do to, to recruit you in. Um, I personally, um, I think it's more important that it comes from people that are in, in it, that were in it, right. Rather than just some, it's not like you just woke up one day and said, I'm going to just take down Beachbody, right? Like these are things that we experience and we, the way that we also heal, I'm not a therapist, but one of the ways that you heal is you are able to unpack what you went through. And if that looks like you going on Autumn's or Carl's story and sharing it, being like, dude, can you all freaking believe this? Like, you know, that's what it looks like sometimes, right? Like, healing is different for everyone. And it could take you and I'm not going to try to say it could take you years, but you know, nobody has a right to tell you when it's time for you to move on. Right. It's true. It's true. And I I think for me, it's like, 
I don't feel like this is my mission. Right. Life. Like, I don't think that right. I, that's why I, I question like being part of the snark crew. It's like, I don't, yeah. I know that I, it could consume me more than I want it to. And I yeah. know that there are people that like this, they have it on their heart to do this and advocate. And yeah. I just know that's not for me. Right. Um, long term, but I do think that there are some important things that like I've gone through that maybe I could shed light on to others. So I hope that this podcast did that. And I I hope that I can start to figure out like, what now what? Now what? What do I create? How can I establish an identity that doesn't feel so deep within Beachbody? Because I'm so tired of since I became my mom it was like I'm a coach I'm a coach I'm a coach yeah. like that's my thing and now I, I don't want it to be anymore right um, right I want to rewrite my future and have it not be tied to she used to coach and yeah. she left and it's like I just want to do something different yeah um with my life yeah so I'm cool. excited whatever yeah. that is whatever that is I'm excited um do you want to tell everybody where they can find you Sure. Um, my Instagram is Emma dot mama needs coffee. So you can follow me on there. Okay. Um, I have and a then, podcast mama needs coffee and in real motherhood. You can follow me on those. Okay. And, um, everybody, I'll make sure that I post, um, Emma's link to her, um, Instagram and to her two podcasts in the show notes so that you can go and listen to, to her amazing, beautiful voice. Um, and, I thank you so much for for joining me today, Emma. I really do. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks for chatting and thanks for what you do. And I know that you are making an impact and that your work is important and you're going to reach people who need to hear you. So thank you. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Thank you, Emma. You have a great day, okay? You too. Bye. All right, fam, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Call Cheryl Hun, You're in a Cult. I hope you found value in this episode. I hope there is something in this episode that you can relate to, and I hope there's something in this episode that you can take away from. As always, I appreciate your support. If you have a story that you would like to share, please feel free to email me at callcherylhun at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram at call Cheryl Hunt. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day, night, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this episode. And I'll see you next Monday.